of Abraham, you're the God of covenant, faithful promises. Time and time again, you have proven, do just what you said. Though the storms may come and the winds may blow, I'll remain steadfast. And let my heart learn when you speak a word, it will come to pass. Faith is your faithfulness to me. Faith is your faithfulness. setting same I will praise your name great is your faithfulness to me God from age to age though the earth may pass away the word remains the same yeah your history can prove there's nothing you can't do you're faithful this stage since we moved into this place. I'm so excited to see you all. 
Thank you for sharing part of your Sunday with us. It is our joy to honor God and to be a part of this family with you. We're glad that you're going to spend the next hour glorifying God with us. We have an incredible service plan that we believe will get you closer to God and will help you understand that the people around you love you and we all love God as well. The new series we're jumping into, I hope will bless you and uh, will change you forever, that you'll leave different than the way that you came in. Will you join me in prayer? Lord God, we, we honestly and humbly come before you today and give you this, give you our lives, but give you this next hour of praise and worship and surrender. God, it's so great to be in your presence in your house today. We're just excited as a family to be together and know that you are risen. But God, even as we are in a celebratory spirit, even as we are excited to be together, we know that there are people within our community that are struggling. We know that there are people within our community that are hurting. And God, we, we pray for the Floto family in, in the loss of Nancy's mother this week, God. And, uh, and we pray for the Revels family in the tragic loss of Amanda uh, this week, Lord. And there are many amongst us who are dealing with uh, doctor's reports and financial statements and all kinds of things that have come up this week, God, that caught us off guard. But God, continue to remind us that they don't catch you off guard. That you know and you have a plan and you are outworking that through us, God. I just ask that you would be with us in this next hour. We give you our best and we ask for your best in this time. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So, um, we get to see a quick video here real quick. Uh, Amanda Reimer is going to tell us a bit about the Young Adults Mixer that is coming up right this week. Oh, I'm Hillary Reimer. Reimer. I just wanted to invite you to our Taco Tuesday next Tuesday, the 26th. Um, it's a great event for young professionals. Anybody's welcome. We'll have lots of tacos. Um, it really is a wonderful event. Um, my husband and I recently moved back here about a year ago, and we've made so many friends through it, and it's a great way to connect with other people who are believers. All right, there we go. So if you are a young adult or you feel like a young adult or you think you look like a young adult, you should definitely go to the Young Adults Mixer. I know Fitz goes, so that should qualify a lot of us, right? So I've always felt like maybe I'm still a young adult. I know I'm over 40, but, you know, sometimes it looks like a lot of fun. So um, that is coming up on April 26th at 7 o'clock. So if you fit in that group, you should absolutely be there. I also get to tell you we're going to camp. I get the incredible honor every year of taking our students to camp, and we are going back again July 18th to the 22nd. Uh, last year we went to the beach, but this year we're actually having a camp experience. Uh, we're going to North Florida Christian Camp um, in Keystone uh, Heights, Florida. It's going to be an incredible week where our kids get to do things that they just never get to do, you know, and we get to get them away. We all know that those camp experiences, those opportunities to step out of the everyday and into something new, just somehow, some way opens us up to God's goodness and our awareness and the messages that he has for us. So I strongly encourage anybody who has 6th through 12th graders uh, to sign up. You can do that on our website, um, and all of uh, they sign up become official with a $100 deposit, and we're accepting those all the way through May. So um, please, please, please sign your kids up. Um, because we're, we're going to have an incredible time together. It's absolutely worth it. Um, we get to do a lot of the things we do around here because of your extraordinary generosity. Because this church continues to go above and beyond. It continues to show that we're way, way, way blessed. 
and we continue to bless one another and bless our community in all kinds of different ways. And uh, as we're going to step into this time of giving back to God, I just ask that uh, you would join me as we just pray over the gifts that you're going to give, but also give a, a quick thank you back to God for the things that he's going to do with the five different things, five different ways that we can give back to him, whether that's through the generosity back there or online. For those of you who are watching us online, you can text and give. You can go through the Alexio app. And we still use, you know, snail mail. That's an option. You know, people can still send stuff. And I guess it shows up. So you should do that. I don't think you can email, but I think you can snail mail, which is pretty cool. So um, I'm going to pray over your gifts and thank God for what he's going to do with them. If you'll just join me. God, it is an honor and a privilege to be in your service. We know that in your upside down kingdom, you take what little we offer and you make it massive. You do way more than we could ever ask or imagine. You make things happen. And God, we just say thank you for the way that you allow us to participate with you. God, I pray that you would take all of our tithes and our offerings and our gifts and you would do way more than we could ever ask or imagine today. It's in your name we pray all things. So go ahead and stand up with us.
not created to live stagnant lives, to be stuck, bound, or broken. We were created with a purpose, a calling, a mandate, a mission. Even in these uncertain times, that calling remains the same. To go into the world, to make disciples, to share the love of Jesus. This is the work of Easter. The greatness of God, the power of the resurrection in action. What Jesus did has changed us, made us a new creation, given us an unimaginable hope. Grace has taken root. Mercy has flooded our souls, and the promise of eternity has redefined our everything. So why keep all that to ourselves? It's time to put Easter in motion, to make a difference, to share Jesus with the world around us. If your life has been changed, it's time to get to work. excited to be with y'all and I am particularly excited for you to see some of the most amazing photos from last Sunday from Easter Sunday I cannot thank Rick Fueo and Tony Crosby enough for some of the pictures that you're gonna start to see scrolling of families and friends as they keep going through it's just such a great glimpse of what that morning was like that was a baptism, it was so much fun, and how precious is that moment that they captured, and this moment too. As you see Nancy with her mother Carol, and you got Rob going thumbs up, that just sums it all up for me, Easter morning. But the one where you saw Nancy Floto with her mother Carol, she later told me became a treasure to her, a gift to her, because two days after Easter, her beautiful mother, Carol, died. And Carol now knows that everything she ever learned about Jesus is true. So she's celebrating what we celebrated on Easter Sunday. But it's still so very, very tender. But here's the thing. Easter is not a moment that you capture. Even though we captured these pictures, it's not a moment that you capture because Easter isn't over. Living Easter and being Easter people just got launched with the resurrection. And so the very first Easter, Resurrection Day, was actually day one of 40 days when Jesus basically made earth a pit stop before he ascended into heaven. And most people don't know that he didn't hang around just for a few hours and then beam on up to heaven. He spent 40 days hanging out with his friends, having leisurely meals and lives 
were being transformed because of it. When he met with them, they found themselves moving from fear to faith. When he spent leisurely, relaxed time with them, they went from being anxious and scared, which is understandable because they were afraid that Rome was going to hunt them down and crucify them as well. But they went from that place to being on fire, full of purpose and passion to go into the ends of the world. And at one point, Jesus actually met up with his brother James, his actual brother James, who was not a follower of Jesus, didn't believe in him at all. The Apostle Paul tells us until Jesus spent time with him after the resurrection. And then James later became a leader in the early church in Jerusalem. He led that whole effort. His life was completely transformed by the power of the resurrection. The same power that raised Jesus from the grave went to work on James's heart, on his life. It was a game changer. Don't we yearn to live lives with passion and purpose linked to the power of Jesus's resurrection and his invitation to transform our lives? That's why you don't want Easter to be over. You don't want to return to your normal lives of work and school and activities because we weren't created to live stagnant lives where we are stuck, bound, and broken. We were created to live with a passion, a calling, a mandate, a mission to take the message of Jesus to the ends of the world. This is Easter in action. This is the work of Easter. In Jerusalem, there's a church called the Church of the Holy Sepulchre. You're about to see a picture of it. There it is. This church is the site I want you to hear this, where Jesus was crucified, died, was buried. There's a cave at this church where he was buried, rose from the grave, all at this site. Now, 30 of you who went with me on my Holy Land trip about three years ago discovered a terrible truth about this site, because this site is now embroiled and has been for centuries in division and posturing as six different Christian denominations claim this site as their own. So they jealously guard spaces like this. And there are several rooms and hallways and doors, and everyone's saying, that's my door, that's my hallway, that's my room, that's my chapel. And they guard it with their lives. In 2008, an Armenian monk and a Greek monk ended up in full-on fisticuffs with each other over guarding a section of the roof. The roof. Oh, yeah. So this one monk 
was seated on the roof, guarding the spot, but it was a hot day. So he moved his chair just seven and a half inches into the shade, and it was interpreted as a hostile act. Another time, 11 monks were hospitalized over this, this ladder. That ladder has been there since the early 1700s. No one dares touch it because they ended up in a full brawl over someone suggesting that the ladder belonged to this group or that group. So no one touches it. And when we were there that day, the place was crawling with people taking pictures of this ladder. The Church of the Holy Sepulchre, where Jesus died, was buried, and rose again, has become a tourist destination because of all of this, even though it is also that place that we treasure and remember. Well, we stood there in disbelief. And my heart just sank because the church of the Holy Sepulchre had become more of a witness to division and posturing and self-focus than to Jesus. But we know, of course, that's what Jesus died for. So these six denominations all fighting with each other are missing an opportunity they're missing the opportunity to say, this is the place. This is the place where hope was released. This is the place where Jesus died, was buried, and was resurrected fully alive so that we can have the gift of new life. This is the place where grace took root and mercy flooded the world. And Jesus' followers were launched to the ends of the earth with the message that he is alive. They've missed it. So instead, the church of the Holy Sepulchre, once built to the glory of God as a place of hope and a witness to the power of the resurrection, is now more of a tourist attraction about what God once did and not what God is doing. That is what happens when the church stops being the church and starts doing church. That is what happens when Jesus' followers forget their job description to go into the lost and broken world. That is what happens when our faith grows stagnant and becomes more about ourselves rather than being in the world as the salt and the light of Christ. I stood there that day praying, saying, Lord, may that never be our first prez legacy. May we be a generation that is the church, not one that does church. You know, as we build this new church, we've, of course, cleared the land, and we're all eager to get started. But I pray 
that we build a church that makes it possible for people to come to faith in Jesus. Let's build a church where marriages can be restored and lives can be healed. And where people not only grow in their faith, but their hearts get set on fire to serve Jesus. Let's be a church and build one where every square inch creates space for lives to be transformed. That's what it means to be the church and not just do church. So Jesus made a promise. He made a promise to his disciples, his earliest followers, that he would empower them to be the church and not just do church. It happened on the very last day of the 40-day pit stop before he ascended into heaven. Let's listen in to what he had to say on this last day. As they met and ate meals together, he told them that they were on no account to leave Jerusalem, but must wait for what the Father promised, the promise you heard from me, John baptized in water, and you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit, and soon. When they were together for the last time, they asked, but, 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 Master, are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel now? Please, 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 please. Is this finally the time? All they could think about is their circumstance. Understandable. But friends, Jesus had something bigger in mind that would not only bless Israel, but the world. It's just hard to understand that, isn't it, when you're going through something? That God might have a bigger picture in mind, even as he takes care of you? So he told them, you don't get to know the time. Timing is the Father's business. What you'll get is the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit comes on you, you will be able to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, all over Judea, and Samaria, even to the ends of the world. That's like saying, when my Holy Spirit comes on you, you will be able to be my witnesses in Tampa, in Florida, all over the United States, and beyond to the ends of the world. This is the very last thing that Jesus says to all of them. And you can take that down for just a sec. It's his very last statement to them. And we know it was a command. And we also know that last words are important words. And so I'm going to read them again. They're that important. And when the Holy Spirit comes on you, you will be able to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, all over Judea and Samaria, and even to the ends of the world. These were his last words. And their response to Jesus' very last important words to them, telling them about what he wanted them to do with their lives, was this. There were no words. I got nothing. Let me prove it to you. <laughs> 
as we continue to read. They just watched as he was taken up and disappeared into a cloud. They just stood there staring. Another translation says they just stood there gazing into the empty sky. I want you to just stare at this ceiling with me for just a minute, okay? Just stare at the ceiling. Are you doing it? Yeah, there's nothing there. You're right. But isn't that what we do sometimes when we're stuck? They were stuck. And it took two angels to kind of wake them up from their stupor. So let's see what happened next when these two angels show up. It says, suddenly two men appeared in white robes. They said, you Galileans. Nope, they did not. But sometimes we get Bible head and we read scripture like that. You Galileans. Because we think it's supposed to sound nice. Oh, no, friends. This is you Galileans. In other words, guys, guys, come on. And I'm going to say this angel's a little sarcastic. You Galileans, why do you just stand there looking up at an empty sky? This very Jesus who was taken up from among you to heaven will come as certainly and as mysteriously as he has left. Everything that they knew was now gone. What was is no longer. What will be is cloudy at best. They are stuck. And some of us are stuck. We are stuck gazing at documents and spreadsheets. We are stuck gazing at our fears. We are stuck gazing at people who have left us. And then two angels appear. And they say to us all, why are you gazing? Because when Jesus returns, and he will, he'll be looking to see, have you done what he asked you to do? Why are you gazing? Because you have a job to do. It's time to get moving. But maybe you don't want to. Maybe you just can't. Maybe it's the last thing on the planet that you want to do, and you already know you don't have the passion for it. And maybe you're wondering, why don't I have the passion for this? And quite frankly, why don't I have more passion about my relationship with Jesus and growing that? Could it be that it's because we no longer have listened to Jesus' last command and we have not made it a priority? Is it possible? Perhaps there was a time in your life where you felt interested in Jesus or even excited about your relationship with Jesus. But then life happens. Discouragement happens. Disillusionment happens. We get hurt. We grow tired. 
We lose our passion to go to the ends of the world, which means we start right here on Horatio Street and into downtown Tampa and beyond. We, we just lose our passion for it. It's understandable. But you see, the last thing that Jesus asked us to do and commanded us to do, told us to do, was never meant to be a boring obligation. He never intended that our faith look like that, where we go to church, hear a little sermon, and go home. Jesus wants so much more for us than hearing a sermon and maybe attending church occasionally. He wants more for us than, than that. He wants us to be the church, not just do church. He wants to be us to be the church in the world, going to the ends of the world, starting right here at home and beyond with the good news that Jesus is alive. And friends, I'm here to tell you, Jesus is calling you. He said so. When I put my spirit in you, when you receive the spirit, he said, and you have. If you know and have a relationship with Jesus, then you have his spirit in you. And he says, when that happens, you will be able to be my witnesses in Tampa, in the state of Florida, in the United States, and beyond to the ends of the world. The Holy Spirit has already given you everything you need. Will you say yes and walk in the power that Jesus has already given you? Will you say yes, even though you have no idea what this is going to look like? Will you say yes to the very last thing that Jesus asked you and me to do? Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, it's a little scary to say yes to you sometimes. But we can't get around the fact that you made yourself clear. You made it the last thing you said. That when the Holy Spirit comes in us, that we will be able to be your witnesses. And you made that clear. To start at home and keep going to the ends of the world. Thank you, Lord, that we don't have to do that on our own. Thank you that what you're more interested in is us giving ourselves to you, surrendering ourselves to you, that you want to move us from fear to faith, that you'll take care of the details. You'll do the heavy lifting if we just sign up. We also can't escape the fact that you commanded us. We have to, we have, to have a conversation with you about that, Lord. It's, it's not really a choice. Lord, what we do know is that when we step into that with you, that's when we step into purpose and calling, our mission, our mandate, a sense of joy and fulfillment because it's no longer about us. It's for us, but it's not about us. Make us brave and fearless. Launch us like you launched the disciples, the first ones. Launch us with passion, trusting you, that you know what you're doing even when we don't. Thank you, Lord, that we don't really have to. Thank you that we can make ourselves available to you. In Christ's name we pray.
And now stand and sing and let this be your moment where you're honest with him. Say yes. Yes. Uh-huh. 